Liverpool 3 0. Corner taken quickly, Origi! Hello and welcome to the Anfield Central podcast. The Reds are taking it to the final day in the Premier League title race after a 2 1 win over Southampton and Another trophy has been added to the cabinet since we last spoke to you all. My name is Luke, and as always, I'm joined by James as we approach the end of the season. How are we feeling, my friend? You're feeling great after Saturday, feeling brilliant after City dropping points, feeling ecstatic after Liverpool beating Southampton last night. So it's been a good couple of days for Liverpool fans in terms of domestic cups and obviously the league. Yeah, it's been a a whirlwind of a week in many ways. We had the highs of the FA Cup final win, which I think with a few nerves thrown in as well at various points of that match. And then it got even better on the weekend, didn't it, with Manchester City's result. But we'll start with the most recent game, which was a 2-1 win over Southampton. And we'll work backwards a little bit this week, I think. And following the, the FA Cup win on, on the weekend, it obviously took a lot out of the squad. So we expected a bit of rotation, but... Given just how much rotation we saw in that win over Southampton yesterday, it was all the more impressive given the performance we got from them, wasn't it? Yeah, complete and utter shock when that starting eleven came out last night. I think, obviously, there was rumours going round on Twitter yesterday of no Mane, no Van Dijk, no Salah, no Trent. And you could sort of understand leaving those guys out. But following City's result on Sunday, I thought he, he would go with his, the strongest team he could pick from the players that were out injured. Um, but then again, like you said, Saturday, 120 minutes plus penalties. I think, you know, Klopp's now, we've seen it the last couple of games, but especially on Thursday, the squad rotation and, and the depth we've got and the confidence he's got in, in these fringe players, like some Minamino, Curtis Jones, Javi Elliott's not been in the first team for the last, you know, six weeks in terms of the matchday squad. Gomez comes in again. Simicas, you know, these are the lads you can't fault. When everyone turns around and, talks about Jurgen Klopp and his, and his biggest um, strength and uh, the big personality about him and making everybody feel loved and putting the arm around you know, each player individually just goes to show because you know, Minamino, like I said, hasn't really featured much since the Carabao Cup, since the, the, the main two came back in the signing of Diaz. And you know, we ran around that pitch yesterday like he was, he was fighting for his Liverpool career, gets the goal and you know, all credit to the lads who probably looking at the summer and questioning where they're going to be, you know, come the start of the new season, but they're still willing to give everything they can for the club whilst they're still here, which is, you know, you've just got to admire it, really. Yeah, I think we've said it a lot this season about how we've got a bit more squad depth than we have done in previous years, but we just say probably the best example yet of reaping the rewards of that squad depth because the team we saw was probably not far off the team you'd expect to see in the early rounds of an FA Cup or a League Cup game, not a you know a must-win game to stay in the title race. But like you say, they all equipped themselves fantastically well. And even without those big, you know, the big, big names being there, the performance, you couldn't really fault it. Um, and it's probably, like I say, the best example of how our depth has really improved. Yeah, I, th- I think you, you just look at the fact that, you know, Klopp didn't bring Diaz on. Didn't throw Jota on, uh, uh, sorry, Thiago on. He, he left the lads that were out there to, to, to come back and to fight. Um, almost a sort of, well, you know, you've got us in this, we're 1-0 down. You know, you try and get us out of it, prove yourself, prove you should be in and around the team or you should play more often. And like you said, I think if 
you know, at the start of the season, if someone had said to you in the second to last game of the season, a must win for Liverpool, Klopp was going to go with a midfield three of Harvey Elliott, Curtis Jones, James Milner. I think that, you know, the majority of Liverpool fans probably would have, you know, had a heart attack at the sound of that. But, you know, they've all come in and done the jobs right. That front three, you know, just goes to show that even mid-table Premier League sides have, have got a problem with Liverpool's second string players, which... You know, the recruitment since Jurgen Klopp's come in, the way he manages the, the players on and off the pitch. Um, Henderson said it last night in his interview and James Milner. A lot of these players are probably a little bit pissed off that you know that they haven't had as many minutes as they would have liked this season. You know, coming up to a World Cup year, some of these players would want to get into some of them World Cup squads and they just go to show that when called upon, you know, they are absolutely brilliant. And like you said, this is an FA Cup Carabao Cup team, you know, as we saw in the earlier rounds when we played the likes of Norwich and Preston and they're getting over the line in, in, in high pressure moments against, you know, a Premier League team in Southampton who have pulled off some shot results. You know, they've drawn with City twice this season, 1-1 and 0-0. You know, I know they're on the beach a little bit more because they're not safe from relegation. They're not going to get in any European football, but to go away from home in the conditions it was last night as well just makes it all the more impressive. We saw Bobby Firmino start a game for the first time in a little while. He's obviously had some injury troubles creeping to his season a little bit more than we're used to. But another great performance from him. He got man of the match on the night from the from the TV broadcasters. And having someone like Firmino available now, he's probably not in that your best front three, you would say. He's probably dropped off away from that a little bit with the emergence of Jota and Diaz. But he's still got a lot to offer this Liverpool side. I mean, yesterday there was some of them times where he's getting the ball and flicking it round and he's doing back heels and his first touch is still unbelievable. I still think there's a place for Firmino in and around the squad. Um, I know he's only got 12 months left on his contract, so Liverpool are probably going to have to make a decision soon on whether do you let him go in the summer for a transfer fee um, or do you sort of see how he performs next season? Does he get in the team much and maybe offer him a short-term deal at the end of the end of next season, but it was absolutely vintage. Roberto Firmino last night, um, tireless running, linking up with Jota, you know, and Minamino. And I think that's that's the most impressive thing with Firmino is it's all right when you're linking up with Mane, Diaz and Salah and, and you're, you're flicking the ball around to them. And it also almost becomes second nature because those players are just so good. But when he's linking up with Harvey Elliott down that right-hand side and he's linking up with Minamino, it just goes to show, has Firmino been not making those plays look even you know, look as good as they are? Because obviously they're brilliant players, but there was times where Minamino was just making runs that you see Salah making it, and it's because of the way Firmino plays. He knows that if he just gets in the right space, Firmino's going to put it on for him. And, you know, that's what happened yesterday a few times. And I think he was a little bit unlucky possibly not to you know to test the keeper a few more times in the you know the good positions he did get into but you know somebody who's been here since day dot under Jurgen Klopp who's played the most under him I do just think there's a little little place left for him in terms of going into next season but you know you can't fault what he did last night and what he's what he's done the last couple of years yeah, probably that player that most epitomizes a Jurgen Klopp's philosophy and style isn't he if you had to pick out any one individual you'd probably say it's going to be Roberto Firmino and as you've mentioned, and we've touched upon the the midfield was probably the biggest shock when the um, the team section was made with Curtis Jones and Harvey Elliott in there. 
I thought both those obviously young players, we spoke a little bit about Jones on last week's show and maybe he's not going to be able to cut it, you know, at the absolute highest level. But he had a great game yesterday. But to focus on Harvey Elliott a little bit, he really looks like he's got some just raw talent and he's came back from his injury and he's maybe not played as many games as he'd have liked after starting in the San Siro in that Champions League match um, back in February. But if he can get a, a run of games, which will be difficult, obviously, in, the, in, in this Liverpool team, but the more he plays, I feel like the more is going to come from him because in terms of just raw talent, last night there was just a couple of glimpses where he looked the real deal. Yeah, I think especially the chance where he goes through one-on-one with McCarthy and he tries to dink it over him and it just hits the side net. And if that goes in, then, you know, it, it, it's a massive confidence boost for him. That'll be his first goal in the league for Liverpool since he's joined. Obviously, he scored against Cardiff in the FA Cup earlier this season. But, and like you said, it, it's all about trying to get game time for him. But, you know, if you go back to beginning of the season, it was a front free of, uh, I'm sorry, a midfield free of Thiago, Fabinho and Harvey Elliott in that Liverpool midfield. He was you know, playing ahead of um, Jordan Henderson. He was getting down the right-hand side and he was looking really bright until that ankle injury. Um, I mean, there's, there's absolutely no doubt that there isn't an absolute gem of a player in, in Harvey Elliott. I think the decision not to loan him out this season after he went on loan to Blackburn last year just goes to show the faith that Jurgen Klopp's got in him. Um, he was running tirelessly yesterday. You know, considering he hasn't got match fitness in terms of Premier League fitness, because like you said, he's he's been in the match day squads, but he hasn't played any minutes he, or, or he's not been in the match day squad. It has been a little bit tricky for him, like you say, since that San Siro game. But I think the way Liverpool are going now, that the, the profile of player Liverpool are signing, it's all going towards the youth. And I, I do think, obviously, this season isn't a blip of Liverpool getting to the final of, of every competition. It's... I just think it goes to show we now have the young players and the experienced players to start rotating for cup games. So I do think he'll get his first share of games next year. And then obviously you bring Cavello in from Fulham and you have those two together. God knows you know, what they're going to be like together in, in, in the Liverpool team for years to come. But in terms of last night, I think you saw exactly why Harvey Elliott, especially with Liverpool fans, is being talked about as you know, a potential star for England in the future. Yeah, there's a real core of young players you can see at Liverpool now with Jones as well as another one whether he stays or or not you'd expect he probably will for another year or two at, at least anyway but then even like Canate who looks like a ready-made version of that <laughs> replacement already but he's still so young Joe Gomez is still only in his early 20s really isn't he there's similarly with Jota and 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 Carvalho as you mentioned they're coming in there's a real you can almost see the next team the next like iteration of this clock team coming through, which is really exciting to see. But w- one man who probably won't be part of that, and we may see depart the club in the summer, is Taki Minamino. But I thought we should give him, you know, a bit of a spotlight on the show this week, just because another goal for him yesterday. His goals for minutes ratio is is really really impressive when you consider how little he actually starts games. It was his first Premier League start last night since playing for Southampton on loan. Um, a year or two ago, which goes to show, you know, just how little opportunity he's really got in the Premier League for Liverpool. But he's got three Premier League goals this <laughs> this season now, which is more than Jack Grealish, I believe. Um, <laughs> and I think his goals for minutes ratio, the statistic they were they were showing us on the on the TV last night was a goal every ninety five 
minutes or so, which is basically a goal a game, isn't it? So, <laughs> which for a guy that barely plays, he's more than contributed this season. Top scorer in both the cups of the both domestic cups, the Minamino cups, as, as Jurgen Klopp described <laughs> them as after the FA Cup win on the weekend. And I mean, from his point of view, he's not there's not really much more he can do, is there? He every time he's called upon, he scores big goals and. Yeah, maybe he's not as talented or as going to be reaching the levels as a Salah or a Mane. But for seven million from the Austrian league a couple of years ago, if he does leave this summer, wherever he goes, we we don't know. But if he if he is to move on, then you've got to say it's been a it's been a great couple of years. Yeah, you have to take your hat off to him. He's again, you go back to Jurgen Klopp's man management, doesn't start every week, doesn't play every week, how you know, but when called upon. Is willing to do everything he can for the good of the team. It was a brilliant finish last night. I mean, sometimes you wonder with Minamino, where has that been in his time at Liverpool when, when he has got got the odd few chances, especially in, in, in the earlier couple of months when he was at Liverpool. Um, but but I think what's been most impressive about him, you know, yes, is the way he's he's scored the goals in the in the two cup competitions and his important goal last night. But I think it's very easy to overlook that. We signed him a month before lockdown. He's, he's come from a foreign league to the Premier League. English isn't his first language. Doesn't know anyone in the squad. Straight into lockdown. We saw Jordan Henderson try to get him to celebrate when we when we lifted the trophy. He was just sort of stood around the sides and didn't get involved. And he goes to Southampton and it's behind closed doors. And it's not a brilliant, you know, seat. Six months he spent there on loan at the back end of last season. But he's coming to this season and, and he's worked really hard. Like you said, the cup competitions he scored against, you know, Norwich, Preston, um, and the FA Cup, he, he scored in there as well. And, you know, you look back at that the game, the goal against Arsenal, well, the chance he had against Arsenal in the semi final were it's the open goal and you thought, is this going to sort of sum in a mean or what? But, you know, fair play to him, he, you know, he's, he's come back and he's done really well when given the chance. and I just think, you know, you've, yes, you look at the, you know, the player and how well he's done coming on the pitch, but I think you've got to look more of him as a man as what he's had to deal with since he's come to the country and how he's, how he's fought back from that, really, because how many players have we seen go through a few tough times and have sort of shrunken within themselves and haven't lived up to and the, you know, the careers have just completely fallen by the wayside, but with him, you know, he seems to have come back and, and come back a completely different person. So that's the Southampton game discussed and that now means that Liverpool are one point behind Manchester City going into the final day of the season. We'll preview the Wolves game a little bit later on and kind of just give our thoughts going into that, what's going to be obviously end of a nail-biting uh, um, final day for Liverpool. But first, we, we have to talk about the FA Cup final. Normally, on when we have a show like this... Um, and we've got two fixtures to fit in. We don't often focus too much on the on the on the oldest one, but as soon as it's the FA Cup final, it'd be rude not to talk about it a little bit more. Um, well, they do it the harder way as always, didn't they, James? <laughs> Under the 120 minutes in a cup final, another nil-nil, sudden death on penalties. It's flashbacks to the Carabao Cup final all over again. You throw in the the knocks to Van Dijk and Salah and the missed opportunities early on and it, it just spelled Liverpool heartbreak. You know, that, that was just written all over it. But again, the players that came on, 
Jota did his bit, should have scored. Robertson should have scored. And as I you know, messaged you and Mike saying, Matip came on at extra time and I completely forgot that Virgil van Dijk had gone off because those two just played so well together, Canate and Matip. But again, it's another trophy in the cabinet. It's Liverpool fans, have, I think, are now starting to appreciate the domestic cups a little bit more. If we've got knocked out of the Carabao Cup or the FA Cup, I've, I've been very quick to say, ah, it's only the Carabao Cup. You know, no one really cares about that. But when you win it, it it's it's a great feeling. It, it, it's momentum for the team. And to say with two games to go that Liverpool are still in the chance of a quadruple, you know, I think, you know, Jurgen Klopp probably sees the importance of these two domestic trophies where if you can't win the big honours, at least if you can come away with some sort of silverware, you know, you've it makes it a more successful season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... Not to have digs at other teams, but if you you know a team like an Arsenal or a Man United who have been historically or you know certainly over the last 20, 30 years alongside a Liverpool or Chelsea's teams that are used to winning things, you know Man United have gone five seasons now without winning anything. Um, Chelsea haven't won anything this season. Arsenal haven't won anything for two or three years. So this kind of competition, you know, that they'd be absolutely it'd be like the pinnacle of their season without their winning. And we're we're set aside here with won both domestic cups and we're still saying you know it's not really the absolute height of our campaigns we've still got two massive games left and and they're arguably bigger games than 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 these cups that we've won but the fact that we have added these this year um to the cabinet obviously Jürgen Klopp's now completed the set unless you want to count the community shield which I saw a few fans trying to count on on Twitter on the weekend but I don't think anyone really can can count that but Klopp's now completed the set. And, and the big worry always was that in this era of Klopp versus Guardiola, and we know that Man City have got unlimited resources and, you know, it looks like they're about to bring in Erling Haaland for massive wages and they're, you know, considering spending 30, 40 million on Cucurella from Brighton just to have another left-back option. It's the luxuries that we can't, we don't necessarily have as Liverpool fans, but I think we remember Jamie Carragher talking about it earlier in the season saying, it would be a really missed opportunity if Jurgen Klopp ends up leaving Liverpool without as much silverware in the cabinet just by coincidence because he's li- we're living in an era where there's another absolutely fantastic team just up the road in Manchester City. So the fact that Klopp's now you know officially completed the set, he's won absolutely everything he can. Only Sir Alex Ferguson has done that in the in the Premier League era. You know Guardiola hasn't done it, Mourinho hasn't done it, Arsene Wenger hasn't done it. They've all got trophies missing from their CV in England, whereas Klopp's got it all. Where does that place Klopp in terms of his legacy of greatest managers in the Premier League? We know as Liverpool fans, he's the best we've ever had in the Premier League era. He's probably only Shankly and Paisley you can put above him in terms of Liverpool managers in the whole history of the club. And that, you know, that's even forgetting the likes of Joe Fagan and Rafa Benitez and Gerard Huye have all had massive moments themselves. But does this, do you think, other than Sir Alex Ferguson, who probably stands alone, just because of his longevity, is Klopp then the next, you know, the greatest manager of all time in Premier League history after Ferguson, or is he even competing with Ferguson for that 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 honour? Where do you? I know we're going to be slightly biased as Liverpool fans, but where, you know, objectively do you see him fitting in that kind of that kind of list? It's difficult because we know he's got another four years, so he could go on and win a lot more and um, you know have a bigger claim. But at the moment, this moment in time, now he's won everything. Where where would you rank him? before you put him in, I think the list would, would be in no particular order. I think there's the top five. It's 
Fergie, Wenger, Mourinho, Pep, and Klopp. I think it's fair to say that those are the top five. Um, I, th- I think just in sheer of Premier League dominance, I think you'd still have to put Ferguson at just because a he won two European Cups, he had the treble winning season, and just utter dominance in 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 the Premier League. But I do think there is a good case to put Jurgen Klopp second because Arsene Wenger only got to one European Cup final and didn't win it. He only won three Premier League titles in his in his time as Arsenal manager. And he didn't win any. They've still not won the league since that invincible season of 2004, which they drew the majority of the games <laughs> to, to go on and win the title. I'm going to put him second and I'm putting him second and everyone you know would argue Pep because they've won it four four years out of five and they've sweeped up the Carabao Cup for the last couple of years they ended up winning the domestic treble didn't they Premier League FA Cup the Champions League's always eluded him and I do think that that is a factor you, you have to look at European Cups and say he hasn't won it since he left Barcelona with arguably the greatest player who has who has ever lived the game Greatest um, team. The great, yeah, that Barcelona yeah, team was probably the best club side, definitely in my lifetime anyway. So. And the majority of that team was already in place when he went in. It already had Xavi, Iniesta, Messi, PK, Puyol. So I think he goes second because of the resources he's had. So Mourinho went into Chelsea. Abramovich had just bought Chelsea. Who do you want? There you go. There's Drogba. There's Cavalio. There's Petr Cech. There's Joe Cole. Pep's walked into City. I'll have a new keeper, left back, right back. Decides after one season, I don't like them. So I'll go out and buy another goalkeeper, left back, right back. Whereas Jurgen Klopp has had to be more shrewd in the transfer market. Everyone talks about Liverpool signing Van Dijk and Allison for big money, forgetting that the Coutinho money was used as part of those transfers. They that funded it. So t- I think in terms of sheer resources and what he's produced... None of those other managers have ever been in the situation that Jurgen Klopp is in right now where you've secured two trophies, you can still win the title on the end of the day, at, at, at the end of the season, and there's a Champions League final still to play for. All those managers have either been knocked out of competitions earlier on and have gone on to win two out of the next three, but none of those managers have ever been in this situation where you can walk away with all four. And I think that's what sets them apart from your Peps, your Mourinho's, and your Arsene Wenger's. Yeah, I think there's a massive claim for that. And hopefully in the, in the next four years, we get at least one more Premier League title from from him because it's, it's going to be difficult now with Man City bringing in Haaland and you expect that Newcastle, probably towards the end of Klopp's time, are going to be up there purely because of the money they now have. You, Chelsea's a bit of an unknown because of their current ownership situation, but you'd also expect them to probably be in and around there as they have been in, in recent years, especially if Tuchel stays. Uh, and um, then Man United, Arsenal and Tottenham probably will be, they, they might be even a bit a bit behind that, particularly Arsenal and Man United. If Spurs keep Conte, then maybe they can do something. Um, but, but yeah, I think it'll be really interesting to see what Klopp does with the with the rest of his kind of time at Liverpool and hopefully, hopefully add some more Premier League titles. But, Let's go going back to the FA Cup final then. Um, 
Costas Simakas was obviously the hero, wasn't he, with that winning penalty kick? I think after Mane missed, like you said, the script was writing itself a little bit because we absolutely dominated them in that first half. And you just, when you go in nil-nil at half-time and you've had so much dominance, there's just something always isn't at the back of your mind that just thinks, well, they're not going to be that poor again and maybe that's a missed opportunity. Chelsea came out, had a bit of a spell. It was very similar, I felt, to the Man City semi-final other than the goals because Chelsea's first maybe 10-15 minutes of that second half in the FA Cup, they looked really dangerous. And they're always going to have a spell because I've got some fantastic players, even though Lukaku was relatively quiet, but thought that Mason Mount and Pulisic, um, you know, they were quite, quite dangerous. But then it goes to penalties. <laughs> then you go basically match point with the Mane penalty that he misses. And then you just feel like the momentum switch, don't you, when Mane misses that penalty because that's the one that's going to win the cup and he misses it. ZX scores immediately after. It just felt like the momentum was swinging a little bit. But a great save from Alisson, from Mason Mount. Um, and then Costa Simicast being the hero. And it's just great to see these guys who don't play every week. But, you know, Costas, we've talked about him a lot this season. He doesn't play often just because he's got one of the best left backs on the planet ahead of him. But when he does play, he never lets you down. And he's always just so energetic and enthusiastic. He's always got a smile on his face. He seems to have integrated really well since he since he joined the club and it's just great to see these kind of fringe players having their moment in the spotlight like we've had with Minamino and also obviously in the League Cup final it was Cleveland Kelleher the second choice goalkeeper the squad just seems so harmonious and so likeable and these guys who don't play every week are getting their moments as well which is just fantastic well that's what the, these cup competitions are for to allow the club's rotation um to allow these players, like you said, up until this season. I mean, last year, Simakas hardly featured at all for Liverpool. He was, wasn't was really in a, in the match day squads often. And then he's coming this year and he's had to start the season off because Robertson got injured in pre-season. And he just hasn't really looked back since then. I think even last night, some of his defensive duty was really well. Was You know, he did really well in that where... I think he's matured over the season. He's not jumping into tackles as much and he's standing on his feet. Um, but I just think, you know, like you say, that the, the Mane miss and then you start, then Cech sends Alisson the wrong way and you're just thinking, this is it now, you know, sudden death penalties. And then fair play to Jota, who again, probably hasn't played as much recently as he would have wanted. He's had to come off the bench. So I'm not going to call Jota a fringe player, but in the last couple of weeks since Diaz has come in, especially yeah, he's he sort of dropped to the bench and Mane is playing that number nine role now. And, you know, it's a chance for him to to stake a claim to to play more games and to, to have someone who has been Robertson's understudy or just any understudy in the squad, for them to have that moment of scoring and celebrate in front of the Chelsea fans and showing a little bit of shithousery by putting his hands behind his ears and, and running towards the Chelsea fans, I think. <laughs> you know, it's... It just goes to show with this Liverpool squad that I think you, you go back to, you know, successful teams since the 90s. It, there's always seemed to have been a rivalry between players were, for example, Suarez and Sturridge hated each other. They didn't like each other on the pitch, but they worked well on the pitch. Where I think with this Liverpool team is nobody hates each other. Everybody gets on, on and off the pitch. And I think that's what the difference is. I think... There's no tension building. There's there's no players thinking, right, well, 
I'm going to have to do something to get you out of the team. So I'm going to play. There's just the harmony around the team is, is just spot on. And I think what's helped is Jurgen Klopp saying to these French players, listen, we're playing that many games. You are going to play if we were fighting for a Europa League. If we were United, for example, where they don't have to rotate every single week. So they've only had one game to play since, since February. Then, you know, it, it's a little bit harder to, to say, right, well, I'm, I'm going to make five changes this week. But just the way Liverpool are built at the moment to, to go for every competition, it's allowed players like Simicasta Blossom, Harvey Elliott, Canate, who, if we hadn't have gone this far, would he have played as many games this season? But he's looking an absolute bargain at 36 million because we've got to see him as much. Um, and yeah, for, for, for a fringe player to score the winning penalty, um, I don't think there's anybody I would have rather have took that penalty, really, because I think he, you know, he does absolutely deserve it. Um, and he had his moment again, dancing around the cup on the floor, and you see the celebrations, and you know, it, it especially for a foreign player coming in to not play as much. I think it means a little bit more to see how well they get introduced into the group and and how they become a big part of it, even without playing games week in week out. Yeah, and next up is obviously Wolves in that in that final game. The symmetry to that 2018-19 season is really quite stark. Seeing you know we had a away game at Southampton, like we did in 2019, and then Wolves on the final day again, and again one point behind Man City. All we can do is win our game. All we can do is beat Wolves, and I think we will. We'll see the likes of Salah, Mane, Van Dijk, Trent return. I'm sure. I think Salah and Van Dijk's in- injuries or knocks or whatever you want to describe them as that they're not serious. Klopp's confirmed. This time, last time we were in this situation, you know, we had that moment where Man City went 1-0 down at Brighton and then very quickly kind of rattled the goals through and, it, and it, we never really had that much hope. Do you have hope going into this one? There's a lot more narrative with it being Steven Gerrard's Aston Villa team. There's a few Liverpool connections in there with Coutinho and Danny Ings and it's Jack Grealish, you know, against his old team for, to win the title. What do you put the chances out that Liverpool come out of the weekend as champions? Because for me, it's probably more like 20% chance because I can just see a Kevin De Bruyne already goal to kill all of our hope. But there's obviously, you know, a lot of chat in the media and a lot of my friends who are not Liverpool fans are kind of saying, you know, well, Stevie's going to, Stevie Gerrard's going to, you know, pull something out of the bag for you. But what, how do you see it? Well, I'm very close to you. I give them a 25% chance. <laughs> and, it's, and it's just because... I think there's a lot more pressure riding on City in this game than there was when we played them in, was it 2018-19, the end of that season? Um, Because City had already won the FA Cup and and the Carabao Cup by that point. You know, this year, they can potentially, as good as they've been, finish the season with zero trophies. So I I think that's where the added pressure comes comes from them. Obviously, they're still going to have the likes of Finandino at the back, and that obviously gives you some sort of hope because if, if Villa can just use the blueprint that Aston Villa, that West Ham did, sorry, on Sunday, were just get the ball, look for whoever is stood on Fernandinho, knock the ball up to them, and then get the likes of your Ollie Watkins, your Buendias, your Felipe Coutinho's making the runs off. I'm trying to, it sounds like I'm trying to set up the blueprint for how to beat Manchester City, but (laughs) I just think there's more pressure on them at the moment than us. I think nobody, 
don't really hear people talking about this 14 point gap and blowing it as much as as if Liverpool were 14 points clear and City got it back to even a point going into the final day of the season. You'd hear about it non-stop. But at the, I think to go from 14 points down to one, for us to have slipped up against Spurs and then them to slip up against West Ham, I think, yeah, the, the pressure could get to them in front of the home fans. You know, they've they've done it before, haven't they, where they've just got away with it against QPR on when they won it and they went into the final day against United. So, and give us a 25% chance. It all depends on how City ha- handle the day and, and how Aston Villa defend. With Conta being out injured and they're going to have to play Callum Chambers and Tyrone Mings at centre-back. Doesn't fill me with the, <laughs> the, the, the greatest of confidence. But, like I said, stranger things have happened in football. You know, Man City have drawn nil-nil at home to Southampton this season. That no one would have thought they'd have done it. So, I'm hoping at half-time, if it's still nil-nil, you know, the nerves will start kicking a little bit more. But like you said, I very quickly expect to go on my phone to check the score and it'll be 2-0 and it's Kevin De Bruyne and Hayes who scored in the first 10 minutes. I think I'm just hoping that it's within touching distance throughout the game. You know, if they go 2-0, 3-0 up, it's like, okay, you know, we've seen it before. But for, for obviously for us, and obviously we want we want Liverpool to win the, the league, what it goes without saying, but... It would just be nice if, even if they're just one nil up going into the last 10 minutes, like, would you take that now? Like, if someone said to you, Man City, you're just going to be one goal up going into the last 10 minutes of the game. It's like, I think I'd take that because then it, it's not like they're, they've, they've won it in the first half. I just want Villa to be in the game for as long as possible. Just to, like you say, put that pressure on them, get their nerves jangling a bit. And then there's just always that question mark that Coutinho can pull something out of the bag or... Danny Ings, or they've got a lot of really have got a lot of decent attacking players. So if they can stay in the game for as long as possible, that would be my ideal situation because I actually think Liverpool will probably beat Wolves quite easily. I don't think Wolves have been great since that since their season's kind of ended, really. They've been on the beach for a while. And in front of Anfield, I think we'll sign off the season in style as we tend to do. But I just really, yeah, that's, that's all that's all I asked for is just that Villa stay in the game for longer than Newcastle did or longer than. Wolves did themselves um, the other week. Yeah, I think if you look at Villa's team on paper, they've got everything it takes to, to sort of cause Man City problems. Like you said, you look at that front two of Danny Ings, Ollie Watkins, going up against a 37-year-old Fernandinho, Zinchenko, who isn't a natural left-back. Um, I, I would, if you were to offer me now, 1-0, 15 minutes to go, I'd snap your hand off because I think we see it too often. City absolutely capitulated against Real Madrid. I'm not comparing Real Madrid to Aston Villa. But going into the final 10 minutes of that game, nobody gave Real Madrid any chances of even scoring one goal. Um, So like you said, if they can just keep it as close as they can, just never know. what. I think what will do it gives them a good chances. Keep that crowd quiet. I know there's not much of an atmosphere at the Etihad anyway, <laughs> but just just keep it as quiet as you can. Keep the tension going because, you know, the more the longer it goes on and there's no goal, are you going to start seeing instead of De Bruyne whipping balls in? Are you going to just start seeing him trying to hit them from thirty yards away, or are you going to see the likes of Jack Grealish and and Jesus and Sterling? You know, just sort of start to run out of patience, trying to take players on, trying to make runs. I think what also fills me with confidence is 
they could have wrapped it up on Sunday. It should have been it should have been done and dusted. That Mares penalty with three minutes to go. The game should have been dead and buried then, but it's not. They should have wrapped the Real Madrid Champions League semi-final up. You know, in the first leg when they were three one up, they should have won that game about six 0 but they didn't. And little things, the Matip header last night gets headed onto him and then it goes in and there's just little things that are starting to make you think. You know, Pep saying we're the most supported club in the Premier League. Are we just starting to see little signs of it? it's not going to be as easy for City on Sunday as, as potentially we all think it's going to be? Yeah, fingers crossed. And we'll be back next week, obviously, to discuss whatever the outcome is. Have a good look at the season because I think we can be, you know, we can be proud of the lads, whatever the outcome is on Sunday and obviously next week we'll also be bringing you a Champions League final preview show so there's plenty plenty to look forward to really as Liverpool fans we can't complain too much can we so James thanks for your time as always no problem it's always good to speak to you mate and as I say we'll be back next week but until then you can get plenty more from us on our website anfieldcentral.co.uk and on Twitter at anfield underscore central but fingers crossed for the weekend and goodbye <laughs>